Hey, welcome to Professional Appreciators, the new podcast slash video cast, whatever they call a video podcast. I was thinking uh, we could just do like a, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, a video pod. A video pod? We call it, it's a video pod. A patio? <laughs> I don't like that the <laughs> word, patio? I don't like that the word potty is in yeah. patio. Yeah. So probably not. But it that. sounds like, you know, like a Fabio, video pod. though. Like Fabio, patio? You know, we'll work on it. It's We'll work on it. That's the theme of this podcast is we will work on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the name, but so, it is a theme. Yeah, but we are professional appreciators. That mm-hmm. is, for all of you movie trivia buffs, is a reference to... I'll give you time at home while you're eating Cheez-Its to, to say it into the mic. Evan? High Fidelity. High Fidelity. One of my favorite films. Not, um, not necessarily because it's the greatest film ever made, but I, I feel like you've never seen High Fidelity, right? I have not seen it from start to finish. You've not seen it from start to finish. No. Well, we should watch it together because I feel a lot of feelings that the main character feels. What a vague way. Like, I don't want to get too specific, you know, because you haven't seen it. I don't want to ruin you it. you love that movie? I just I feel felt a lot of feelings. Just a lot of feelings. It makes me feel feelings. So that's why I like the movie. John that Cusack. That was actually on the movie poster. You will feel feelings. You will feel feelings. <laughs> It's about a record store owner yeah. and he just has messed up a lot in his life, but he seem he's like a good dude deep down yeah. and he gets a second and a third chance in his life. And it's just kind of a, it's I'll just kind of a good, maybe we can do thing. a commentary on that. That'd be fun. And then it's like you being a fan, a previous viewer of it mm-hmm. and then me my not first, having seen it like my first viewing of it yeah i like that we should do that with like a a a lot of movies yeah i feel like because you have you're more of a buff on the you've you've dove a little deeper into like some of the older films like like i haven't seen vertigo like you have been talking about vertigo a lot i haven't seen that but you freaking love it so it's like we can watch that one and you can be more of you can be the appreciator trying to convince yeah the uh the noob of of why it's really really good um so yeah we're the professional appreciators uh one of the reasons we did this podcast is a reason most people do podcasts Mm -hmm. is it's just two friends who need an excuse to hang out on a regular basis you know life is crazy and we need an excuse to get together and watch movies yeah so what better excuse than to monetize our friendship Mm-hmm. For uh, that is the American way. Monetize literally everything, every aspect of your life. You can possibly any revenue stream you can create. Just yeah. go ahead and come up with it. Like, uh, event, like now, the influencers are on mm-hmm. their social media, like doing ads for other things. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a day where, like, literally every single person will be doing ads on their social media just in their normal life yeah selling tea leaves and fab fit boxes just it's like <laughs> fab aunt, fit aunt fun nancy, boxes aunt nancy logs on and <laughs> she's like i gotta do these ad reads or else <laughs> or else i'm not gonna be able to pay the bills yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what dude, do we got today seat geek and uh something else. oh dude if i ran a company that was like trying to help people be protected from their social media being hacked i would recruit like all the grandmas all the- and aunts be Dude. like, has your Facebook been hacked? 
Talk Check a, out. Talk <laughs> about grassroots, man. I know. That would be all over everyone's Facebook. Copy yeah. and paste. Copy. There's something about copy. copy. There are that's a, that's the funny thing about copy. Like on Facebook, there are easier ways to share things than copying and pasting. Mm-hmm. But for some reason now everyone yeah. copies and pastes. I think it's because it's like the oldest way to share something. Mm-hmm. You can just click a button now and it's like just share it. Yeah. Just share it that way. But it everybody's me, copying and pasting. It gets me every time because anytime I see someone share one of those, you don't know they copied and pasted it until you go to the very bottom where it, <laughs> and says, it says, please. Copy. And I'm like, how did this person have time to type all this up? Usually it's like, it's someone that you may, may know really well. Yeah. And it's like a shocking revelation. Like, wow, I had no Mm-mm. idea that they held these things so like near and dear to their heart yeah. about like whatever they're talking about. And then you get to the end and it's like, copy and paste and you if you agree. Betrayed. And I'm like, that wasn't you. I was going on a I journey. Feel, yeah. I feel hurt. Like, I was personally. going on a journey with you for a second. Oh, uh, man. They had me for a minute. Imagine if people did that in real life. Like you're just having an impassioned debate or like conversation with someone. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, like you're getting into it, they're into it, and at the very end they go, copy and copy paste. And by paste the way. This. I, everything I just said, <laughs> I got real. somewhere else. That wasn't real. It's like what? I no. thought I, I thought I was into it. No, but anyway, uh, professional appreciators. Yeah. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, Share with your family and friends. You know, it's a good time. Yeah. So we're also working in association with the Why It's Great YouTube channel. Which saying mm-hmm. that sounds so phony because. The Why It's Great YouTube channel is me and my brother. There's no, <laughs> there's no corporate, like organization. It's just my brother and I. Uh, it's an associate, an association. Engine. But I think the spirit of Why It's Great mm-hmm. will transfer over to this podcast, which is, we don't. Why It's Great isn't about being, just blinded to any criticism and just saying things are great all the time, like shoving your finger in your ears. Right, right, right. It's more about a way to counterbalance the kind of like hot and cold nature of film criticism nowadays where things either absolutely suck or they're absolutely amazing. Right. And on YouTube specifically, what gets the most traction is it sucks. Right. And so it's more just like we're here to say, why it's great is more like why it works, but why it works doesn't have like as great a ring yeah. to it. Yeah. It's more just like, can we be level headed and more focused on constructive criticism? And I think professional appreciators is the same thing where it's like, yeah, we have our tastes, we have our likes and dislikes. We can fully admit when a movie doesn't work, but it's more about explaining here's why it didn't work acknowledging what it was going for Mm -hmm. and how it missed the mark but like not reducing ourselves to people who are just standing above the piece of art and saying i'm better than this this sucks it's like well why does it stink what was it going for i think also though acknowledging like what it takes to actually get a movie made and just even if maybe there are elements of it that didn't work or maybe it didn't work at all but like still acknowledging like it takes a ton of effort to write something, to get it all together, to get mm-hmm. the funding, to shoot it, to light it, to cut it, to yeah. edit it, to like, to have all those pieces put together into like one final project, yeah. even if it's bad, it's like acknowledging, like I can still appreciate the love and like effort that went into something. And I think I can, I definitely have movies that I know aren't the greatest films. 
necessarily. But mm-hmm. for some reason, there's something about it yeah. that I just enjoy. And I know you have those too, yeah. where it's like those, those movies that aren't technically maybe the greatest or made by the most amazing filmmakers. It's like sometimes people still find things in those movies that they can connect yeah. with, which I think is something to be appreciated still. Yeah, appreciated. See what I, I mean, did there? If you'll indulge me with being a little pretentious, just like allowing me like 30, sec- 30 seconds of like being pretentious. Do you want me to start a timer? Yeah, start, yeah, start a timer. Put it right there. Pretentious uh, timer. Starting now. I really Go. hope you had one. <laughs> so for me, like any type of criticism, any type of criticism with art, but specifically movies, mm-hmm. is a dialogue. But for nowadays, it's more just like a, a list of like, what I hated, what I liked and disliked, like liked and dislike. Okay. Those are like emotions. Like that's just going to happen no matter what, but like literally having a conversation with the medium, with the art form, which is seconds. Oh boy. Uh, so anyway, uh, no, but like the movie is presenting ideas. It's Mm -hmm. presenting images. It's asking questions. So that's up on the screen. And then you as the viewer, are bringing your own presuppositions, your own yeah. beliefs, your own worldview, interacting with the images, with the ideas, with the questions. And then yeah. criticism is where those two meet, which is here's what the film was communicating to me. Here's what it did within me. Here's what I bring to the conversation. So the best critics for me are people who add to the conversation that the film starts. Right. And it's less a here's what I like, here's what I didn't like, which is a part of it, but it's more like, what can right. this critic add to the ideas, to the conversation? What did they see that I couldn't see, whether that be objective or subjective? Right. And that's what I want to do with everything I make in regards to film, which is, it's a conversation. Yeah. And anything yep. that reduces it to a right. kind of right. Right. quality right. is just like, okay, that wasn't constructive or productive. I just know that you think you're better than it yeah but what did you think of the ideas of the film what did you think of the themes how did you think it communicated those themes most of that stuff just goes by the wayside with people's conversations on film yeah well i want to be honest i mean that was more like two minutes yeah that was yeah that's usually how it goes (laughs) we'll let it slide this time we can edit it out yeah we'll trim it down to the most important parts no but i mean i completely agree i think like I used to think there were there were good movies, bad movies, okay movies, and you could reduce that down to like an immediate judgment mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, that was good or that was horrible. And I used to think that it was maybe that easy, but the the more I watch movies and the more I think about it, and I think maybe just the more I get older, the more it's like, I can find something in a mo- almost any movie that I'm like, mm. you know what? They did something there. Yeah. Like that was interesting or the way that the choices they made there like was interesting. And so it's like, again, like to harp on this idea, but it's like, there's something to be appreciated in everything. And so mm-hmm. it's like, even in even troll Two, a movie that's subjectively like it's supposed to be the worst movie. That's mm-hmm. one of the worst movies yeah. ever made. Uh, I still kind of appreciate certain things about it yeah. where it's like, it's, it's one of those movies that's so bad. You kind of love it. Yeah. But at the same time, somebody took the time yeah. to stitch that together and, and make that and like be passionate enough about it 
to get it all the way made to where now it's on TV and like yeah. you can go and watch it if you want to. I mean, for me, the worst movies aren't the movies with the cringiest dialogue or the worst lighting or the worst special effects, cinematography, like it yeah. looks bad. The worst movies for me are the movies that one have like no just like um like voice no unique voice yeah. to them like no perspective yeah. no opinion they're flat dull yeah. not entertaining in any way like look some movies can be entertaining for the wrong reasons but it's like it's about getting to the end zone and the end zone is being entertaining no matter how you get there get there well it's and like some movies can't do it it's like some movies can look amazing too where it's yeah. like i remember watching uh transformers whenever we were in high school and being like maybe this is the greatest movie we've ever seen like maybe it, it's amazing yeah and then i go back and watch it and i'm like this is an action movie like yeah. it's pure action and it's like adrenaline and all that stuff but like it there's no like uh it doesn't necessarily feel as if it's like handmade or has like a real voice to yeah. it like something that's a little more unique which i i'm almost willing now to put up with a little more like this doesn't look quite as polished mm -hmm. if it feels like somebody made it by hand a little bit yeah. where it's like this is like an artisan that yeah. somebody spent time doing this well like there's like, some really movies that are just so flat and I don't mean like in the image, but just like in the way it's presented yeah. and like directionless where it's like, did a human make this? Was there any type of motivation or inspiration? Yeah. Were they trying to feel anything or was this just a hodgepodge of like too many cooks in the kitchen? Sure. It all gets distilled down to like the most basic common denominator of just like mm. what a screenplay should be. Yeah. And it's like. Okay, yeah, it maybe is competently made, but there's no pa you can like tell there's no passion behind it. Right, right. They weren't they weren't really striving for anything, and it's like, I just don't want to be bored. Yeah. Nowadays. Wow, that's a real 2021 way to look at things. I just don't want to be. Bored, I hate man. being bored I hate ever. Being bored. I need constant stimulation. Constant content. <laughs> no. Okay. No, well, I understand what you're saying though. Maybe we should apply this kind of podcast philosophy maybe so uh there's been some things coming out this month october this month has been insane insane wait midnight huge. mass came out at the beginning of this month right yes or was that the end of september i believe well it was end of september beginning of yeah. october i think uh i think it was beginning of october okay. but like okay so like midnight mass has been out this month which is like just a huge a huge undertaking it might like yeah. the way that that is like the consideration that that's written with like the the Oof. depth of what's going on in that show yeah. like how they're able to touch on so many different themes and kind of marry them together oh, is yeah. like i it's just one of those unbelievable feats well it's like in every season of tv that yeah. uh he does is just it's that way like from Hill House to Midnight Mass. It's yeah. just like... Well, yeah, totally... we can definitely dive into it, but like Midnight Mass came out this month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Time to Die, the new James Bond. Uh, Ridley, that movie. Ridley Scott's new movie, The Last Duel. Which, which I've seen. I haven't and you haven't really want seen. to. And then Dune is coming out this weekend. Yep. Well, the weekend we're right recording. Right now. 
I don't know when it's. Yeah, we don't know when this will come out. Yeah, this is but, the twenty first for recording, so Dune is, is like literally premiering tonight. Yeah, now that I actually was gonna try and go see it tonight after this. <laughs> yeah. And then the last showing was at six p.m. Ooh, I guess because oh, yeah. COVID and stuff, mm-hmm. they don't have as many showings. But I'm I have to see it oh, in Dolby. And Halloween Kills came out. Halloween Kills, yeah. So. What else is coming out? I feel like there's more stuff. Like in November, I feel like there's... Uh, isn't the French Dispatch coming out? Oh, yeah. November 2 is going to be big. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a ton, a ton um, of I stuff. I mean, Marvel Eternals is coming out. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to talk with you about that. Yeah. About there's Eternals, because I don't really know how I feel about that. I mean, I'm feeling a little disenchanted with Marvel movies yeah. right now i'm gonna be careful what i say because my girlfriend's like the biggest marvel fan ever so she's like the biggest disney buff you've ever seen in your entire yeah. life I, I my marvel philosophy is like it's just like i don't buy into all of it it's like I, sure i will watch it the ones that look interesting and the ones that work for me work for me the ones that don't work for me i don't sweat over i just move on with my life yeah yeah, yeah. um so i, I think there's a good amount of good stuff in there. There's a good amount of average stuff. I feel then, like especially the Marvel stuff that's come out in the last couple of years, none of it is bad. Like you, none of it could be like considered necessarily bad, but I feel like some of those are yeah. just more for me and some aren't. Yeah. You know, They're it's like, just like some they, I feel and some I don't. It's a machine. They're all mostly competent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The highlights of this month, you just yeah. hinted at Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Sure. We should probably spend just a little bit talking about Midnight I feel Mass. Like, I feel like Midnight Mass could probably be its own standalone yeah. podcast, but we'll touch on it. Well, it's okay. Well, this is a four-hour episode, right? <laughs> so. I don't know. I better, I better go get some hey, more batteries. No. You think I'm joking. There are people on YouTube who have like videos yeah, that, that are, are four, four hours, hours long. long. Like, there's, I'm not going to name wow. him because yeah. I kind of disagree with the what his kind of philosophy but like sure he kind of is a everything sucks and he like he really preys uh, on really dice like tearing into movies he hates sure sure and all of his videos are like four or five hours long whatever dude you have wow. your audience more power to you if i watched something like that but, for a whole four or five hours regardless of whether or not i liked it he may be able to convince me <laughs> i don't know it's like like the movie you're hitting like you're hating on is half the runtime as the video you're making that's how just, yeah that's how you do it right hey man, there, i don't know but it's out that stuff's out there there it so. is so we'll go until the batteries run out yeah. how about that yeah so midnight mass was what eight hours so we would have to do like 16 hours 16 on hours on yeah. midnight mass <laughs> just starting with the opening shot okay but uh i'll let you go first what surprised you about midnight mass what did you like really appreciate well and here's the thing that we probably need to say first but before we discuss this are we trying to do a spoiler free discussion or a just how about we just go and then if we get close to a spoiler we can just i'm going like, i'm starting with this okay well then spoiler spoilers ahead boys and girls if you haven't seen midnight mass skip for maybe this like, will maybe yeah. this will convince you to actually watch it. but if you haven't it's like this is the streaming days you it's gotta fine. you gotta be current you've yeah. got you've got time go watch it Whatever. but the i spoilers think aren't as big i think what surprised think me the most about it was in the in the i think it's the second episode i'd have to go back and look um it kind of does a complete flip on what you think is going to happen Mm-hmm. because he's kind of in the previous two seasons of TV that he's done for Netflix they've been really really good ghost stories 
like yeah and um and i i hate to kind of simplify them down to ghost stories because they are really much more than that like whenever you dive deep into them but like he's done like the the stories that he does heavily feature ghosts yeah and so what really shocked me i think was that he was going this direction in the first episode of like you know our lead character is haunted by this ghost and by this regret and this guilt that he feels for for someone that he hurt and for someone uh and for you know someone that he killed and you think kind of that it's going to go in this direction for the entire season and then all of a sudden in the second episode it completely flips and you realize the evil that you're dealing with is a completely unfamiliar different kind of evil than you were ready to kind of encounter in this television show because i think for better or worse like we've seen so much tv you see how something starts Mm -hmm. and you're like no I'm kind of feeling where the yeah. vibe is taking me. And then he just outsmarted me. And he was like, yeah. nope, actually, I'm going this direction. Well, like most horror nowadays, it encompasses a, a lot. You know, like yeah. a zombie picture isn't just a zombie picture. It can also have thematic ideas about whatever. But like yeah. at its base, most horror movies from the get-go, you can go, oh, this is a ghost story. This is a vampire story. A slasher, a this creature. This is a zombie cre-. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And with this... He kind of holds the cards. And once you yeah. finally learned, like, okay, what type of genre of horror big bad it's going to be, yeah, it catches you off guard. And that, that, like, nowadays you don't get that. You don't get it as much. No. Well, you really don't get it at all. Yeah. It, like, at least in recent memory, I can't think of something that's done that. But also, you can't, they never directly say what it is that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. which I think leaves it kind of ambiguous and it's like well i'm just gonna say it is it a vampire i think at the end of the show is it a vampire i think for is it an angel is it both like you know it's like i i I think we were talking about this earlier yeah and it was i thought it was both uh a benefit and also kind of a detriment because right i watched it twice so i watched it once and then i Mm rewatched it with you Right. And you were like, is that, a, is that a vampire? Do they say it's a vampire? And I was just like, I just wanted so badly to say like, yes, they will explain. But they kind of right. don't. But I also like that. They both do and don't. I mean, like, by oh, the end the, of the show. And the thing I hated was like, why did no one, like, if that happened to us, people we knew, someone would have said the word vampire. Well, no, I think, yeah, I definitely. <laughs> that's what makes it a little, like, how suspect. is no one saying the word vampire? I, I think I definitely, I think in, like, the second to last episode or something, I think I turned to you and said, I would know exactly what to do <laughs> yeah. in this situation. Like, if this was me, I would know exactly what to do yeah. by the letter. I would know what to do. I would go. I don't think vampires are real, but if one were real, it would be this thing. Yeah. And so, I'm going to try and do it. If the if if the odds are stacked against me anyway, yeah. I might as well go out looking kind of like an idiot with a sharpened yeah. stick in my hand, yeah. you know, and a crucifix. Yeah. At that point, it's like, you got to try. Yeah. But exactly. Yeah. I would know exactly think, what to try. Think, I'm I just saying. It's so obviously a vampire that it's just maybe it was so obvious they didn't need to name it. Maybe. 
Maybe. You know. I do like it. At the end of the day, I do like that they didn't say yeah. vampire. I do like that they tried to kind of keep it like... I, I think it goes with the theme of the show, the fact mm-hmm. that they didn't say, this is exactly what this is. Yeah. Because I think the theme of that season, it just played to that yeah. like ambiguous, like, are you right or are you wrong? Well, yeah, it, it's you know? about it's about how insular communities, specifically religious communities, mm-hmm. can take something that is so obviously bad mm-hmm. and twist it and convince themselves it's something good. Yeah. Like how many times do we see that? It doesn't even matter what type of community. Insular right. groups can take something that if you were standing, like looking at a 30,000 foot view, you'd be like, yeah, that's bad. Right, right, right. But, but when you're in it. they can use scripture or twist it and sell it just the right way and convince themselves that it's something good. And I think by not saying the word vampire, it adds to that that uh, misreading of the situation. Yeah. It's like, well, well, it's like, it's, it involves a pastor. Like the pastor has to be good. Because, you know, if the pastor's not good, then the church isn't good. So since right. the pastor has to be good, then this thing has to be from God and not a vampire. You know what right. I mean? That's yeah. the kind of, like, circular inner logic that those communities use, which I thought was really spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it's, as I watched it, I thought to myself, and I as I watched the previous two seasons of television that uh, Flanagan has done for yeah. Netflix... I was like, this totally deserves a second watch, like just a second watch through. Like mm-hmm. you need to watch it once and get a feel for it. And then like a year later, you need to come back and watch it again. Cause it's just like, there's yeah. so much there. There's just so much there. Yeah. And well, uh, yeah, yeah, I just thought I, I can't say enough about how the setting was so fun mm. and different. Yeah. Like we weren't in a house or we weren't in like a city. It's just kind of this, like you said, insular community where it's just a very small group of people kind of on this faraway island and they're kind of they're just out there with each other and really all they have is each other in church. Mm-hmm. And that's everybody on the island goes to the same church yeah. and you know, if there's certain things that you're expected to do, everybody goes to the same school and I just thought that that environment for a horror movie was so refreshing and different. It ups the stakes too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I really, really loved just watching it because, because of that, like I was in on that alone from the first episode where I was just like, the setup for this is awesome. The fact that it's just like in this really cool Island, everything is kind of weird and different and, you know, the perspectives are all so strange because I live in a city. So mm-hmm. like, I don't have any idea what it would be like to basically, I have one job my whole life because it's the only job I can do on this Island and just kind of yeah. trying to tap into that lifestyle and that idea of like, this is it for me. Like I, that there's not a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah. For me, another aspect I really liked about it was in comparison to his other two shows and yeah. some other movies I've seen from him. Actually, I think I've seen all of his movies. Um, I felt like he was a bit more reserved and he had a more confident hand in mm-hmm. the way things were going to unfold. Because yeah. if you remember 
Hill House, yeah, there were a lot of like things he was throwing in the background of the frame. Yeah, a lot of like things that like would make you jump and like from a like craft standpoint, he was doing a lot of oneers. He was doing a lot of flashy things. Yeah. Which I don't think it was bad. I think it really added to it. I mean, from a technical standpoint, episode, was it six or seven where it was the whole family? For Hill House? For Hill House. Yeah, it was like, or maybe it was four. One of those middle episodes. Yeah. It's, I mean, you would know it when you see it because technically it's like, I I don't know how they would have done some of that stuff. That would have taken so much time and rehearsal and just like. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely unbelievable and beautiful and like a real work of art. Like, But with uh, uh, Midnight Mass, yes, there were some like really key jump scares, which a whole nother topic. Yeah. The way he does jump scares is better than anyone else. I've nowadays. never seen some. Well, and you say reserved because yeah. that's the word is reserved because he he reserves those moments for like when he needs them. He yeah. doesn't he doesn't spin that currency when he doesn't need well, to. Well, he puts the jump scare in the middle of a scene that actually matters. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, when the sheriff was talking to his son, and it was, like, a really emotional yeah, argument in the bedroom. about, yeah, yeah. like, having his, his son go to church when it's against their faith. Yeah. And you're, like, the scene is pulling you in, and you're, you're like, wow, this is so emotional, so grounded. And then that jump scare happens in yeah. the window. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's how you do a jump scare. Like, put it in a scene that matters, where people care, where they're... Not focusing on what's going on in the background. Well, and if you recall back to Hill House, the the two characters in the car having a long overdue confrontation that like it it almost if I remember correctly, because it's been a couple years since I've seen that show. um, It it was like they had kind of been building up to like these two characters kind of hadn't had out what they need to have out. And they're finally airing out this like dirty laundry. And like as a viewer, I was in completely i was buckled mm-hmm. in checked in i was like in this conversation yeah and then they use that that moment when you're just sucked in there so deep into their conversation yeah. and he pulls that jump scare and i i had like a it was like an out of body scare like my soul jumped out yeah. of my <laughs> Yeah. out of its chamber for jump. a second you jumped off I've, the couch i've li- i have never had like chills before mm-hmm. from getting scared from anything like not even in real life if i'm like if i was scared yeah. something like physically dangerous was about to happen to me i've never had like physical chills mm-hmm. but i had like physical like goosebumps on my skin like after that yeah that scare yeah. it got me it was so perfectly done well exactly so the reservation of it and this goes back to something i remember in an interview paul schrader talking about mm-hmm. when uh, first reformed came out and how he was saying uh in that movie the camera is static for most of the movie there's not a lot of like the camera isn't moving right a lot of just like put the camera down shoot no camera movement not a lot of crazy stuff right but that all is in service to the very end of the movie where the movie kind of takes this surreal ending yeah this very like visually poignant the camera is like moving it's like he has i don't want to spoil first reform but like sure you know what I mean? It's like a graphic kind yeah. of, and he he talks about how the whole movie leading up to that is reserved and static and calm, so that ending sticks out even more. Yeah, and it expands even more. And I feel like 
what Flanagan does with the scares in this, instead of just throwing tons and tons of like creepy images at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. He just lets the drama be very normal, very human. And it builds to these few but powerful moments where you see something horrific right. and it really helps it stand out because yeah. everything leading up to that was very normal. Yeah. He almost, he almost lulls you into this false sense of like, these two people are just having a conversation like the three or four scenes I've seen previous mm -hmm. where two people were having like a really important conversation about like what's going on in this town or, or what it is that's yeah. happening. Um, but then he just utilizes and, and also I feel like you have to mention his use of practical effects. Oh yeah. It's just like, I love whenever a, a film doesn't rely on like solely computer generated stuff. Yeah. Like whenever it's like, whenever you have just some really good makeup and like a really good prosthetic or something, I feel yeah. like goes so far in just like kind of furthering that really eerie, creepy feeling that you have. Cause it is somebody that's able yeah. to play that character and like put all of those emotes oh, yeah. and all the, of uh, that feeling into that. The performance. angel looked yeah. very real, very, very Visceral, scary. Yeah. I... And, and again, understated kind of way mm -hmm. where it was like whenever he was wearing a disguise or something just kind of looked like a normal person but then you look know. closer and it's like wait a second that looks just off enough to feel yeah. really unsettling yeah no but i thought uh i thought it was really solid what was the other movie that came out this month too it was a horror movie oh, malignant malignant no that was september it was in september yeah, because I, I remember but because still I it on vacation still yeah. the spoopy season malignant man oh, just what so what a wild twist at the end of the movie just, i don't want to give it away for anybody that still hasn't seen it but what a i i remember texting you after i saw it and i was just like can you imagine pitching this idea yeah i have no Bonkers. idea how you would pitch this to a group of people and be like, this is a normal thing that we're doing. Like yeah. we're going to do this. And then you get people on board with it. Cause it's just such a wild premise and it's just, it's so crazy. The twist at the end. And I, I, it was, I was just not expecting that, which mm -hmm. is, I really, really appreciate that whenever a show or a movie can just keep me so much on my toes that it's like the last half hour of what's going on. And I'm still like, there's there's still several things that could happen i don't know what way this is gonna go yeah and if, if that movie definitely did that a movie that just knows what it's trying to do is bonkers and yeah. isn't ashamed and just wants to take that swing exactly and it's yeah. it was you've like, gotta you gotta respect it it probably was the most entertaining movie i've seen this year like, really you want to go that far I with think it i had a blast with malignant wow. and i just was like grinning ear to ear just like <laughs> someone just had the stones to do that yeah just someone wasn't ashamed to yeah. just go for with that wacky goofy premise that you end up finding out what's actually happening yeah but just like visually james like and we know this james wan like yeah the way he staged a lot of those action scenes it just was yeah. just beautiful there were really some incredible action scenes there yeah and i i mean also a showing in restraint to a certain extent in much yeah. of that movie so yeah. i don't know i think that one was definitely came out of left field for me a little bit because i think marketing hurts 
scary movies so much Mm -hmm. a lot of times before they ever come out where you can see the trailer where it's like you know a woman in a house and then the bass like it's like a Mm -hmm. suspenseful music and then she turns around and goes (gasps) and then it's like oh so it's just another woman in a house scared you know and that like yeah it can feel like every horror movie that comes out is a woman in a house scared or something Oh, dude, great title for a new horror movie. Woman in a house scared. Woman in a house scared. We're going to start working on writing that up. Coming this October, starring Jennifer Lawrence. Woman in a house scared. Scared. (laughs) I kind of want to see it. I thought you were going to say Jennifer Aniston. Starring the Jennifers. (laughs) Love Hewitt. Aniston. Lawrence. Lopez. Woman's woman's in a house scared. Why wouldn't he have just said women? Woman's in a house scared. Why wouldn't he have just said women? It's woman's. You'll find out at the end of the movie why. All the Jennifers. All the was that all the Jennifers? No, surely not. Uh, Love Hewitt, Aniston, Lawrence, Lopez. Lopez. Garner. Gar- Jennifer Garner. Garner. Oh, man, how did I forget the Gardenator? <laughs> the Gardenator. Uh, Jennifer. Uh, that's all the big Jennifers, isn't it? Welcome to the game show. Name that Jennifer. <laughs> it's a very it's short the, game show Jennifer's without a second half. I'm sorry if I missed the Jennifer, but yikes. I'm sure that they'll let us know. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll let us know. They. Someone in the comments are going to you know, be like, you miss Jennifer. Like, that's the one thing they took away from this. <laughs> yeah. Hudson. Hudson. Oh, Hudson. <laughs> Sorry. That's the one we were missing. <laughs> you miss Jennifer Hudson. Woman's house scared. I mean, we don't have fans, but if we did have fans, I would ask the fans to make a Photoshop movie poster for women's woman's in a house scared uh, nowadays you couldn't make a movie poster for that movie because like you know how like nowadays all the movie posters are just like all the characters like photoshopped and like some right. like, really some really big in the background and then, it's it's a creepy looking house in the background yeah and then all, all the characters standing in front looking like yeah something between like inquisitive and terrifying yeah, like it would be like the big house like huge in the poster and then like photoshopped would be like all the Jennifers, like yeah. their heads, faces, or bodies, like trying to fit inside the ha- the graphic image of the house. I don't know, but I don't know either. So, <laughs> where where were we? I, don't, I can't remember. Um, we were talking about malignant, yeah. but that Do was. Do we? Uh, I think I. Well, what I want to talk to you about. I mean, we've talked about Midnight Mass a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like, and we've talked about malignant, but I kind of want to pick your brain about Dune. because i have a couple of questions about dune and i like i i haven't read the book and i kind of purposely didn't read the book and i think i bought you the book for your birthday or something for christmas yeah i think i bought you the book and i heavily toyed with because i knew the movie was Mm going to be coming out i was like should i just go ahead and read the book because both of us really like Lynch mm-hmm. and he had done the previous movie and I've heard the book is really good and I toyed with the idea of reading the book, but I I feel like not reading the book can help you enjoy the movie a little bit more mm-hmm. sometimes. It depends, yeah. So I knew like all of the stars were aligned on this movie. Like yeah. it's supposed to be an amazing story. Lynch had done the other movie and that kind of split 
the fan base from what I understand. Like some people yeah. loved that and some people really didn't like that movie. But um, a dire- the director that's doing it, Denis Villeneuve, I think... I think that's the wrong way of pronouncing his name. Brave attempt at the name. It's Denis. It's like, it's Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah. Something like that. that. Anyway, he's a director we both, we both really, really enjoy pretty much every movie we've seen of his. Mm. Um, and it's like all the stars are kind of aligning for this to be a really amazing movie. I was kind of like, I'm not going to read the book because I feel like if I don't know I kind of know the basics of the story, but I don't yeah. know like the big events that are going to take place in the story, which I kind of want to preserve that so that I can yeah. enjoy that in the movie a little bit. Is that a weird way of thinking about it? or No, I understand. But I think with this particular property, that yeah. might have been the wrong choice because <sighs> one, having read the book and mm-hmm. like understanding how like dense and convoluted kind of like the world building is. Yeah. And then seeing the early reactions, like all of the reviews I'm seeing, especially the positive ones are going, I don't know how this will play for someone who's not familiar with the book. Mm, okay. And I think it's because the book, I struggled with like the first 70 to 100 or so pages because Frank Herbert doesn't needlessly use exposition to like he throws you into the world he created as if you existed in the world and people are talking about the politics and realities of that universe gotcha as if everyone knows you already know yeah which true all the characters so there's no like fourth wall breaking like exposition but also you're struggling to keep up right because it's a dense universe right and i think the movie from what i've read is very faithful and it's probably going to take that same approach where like there's not going to be these awkward exposition scenes where someone's like, oh, yeah, the spice is this is how the spice works. It's <laughs> And like, dude, the politics in this universe are so confusing at first. I was like, OK, wait, why does the House Harkonnen hate the House of Treaties? Wait, why? Wait, why is it a big deal that a treaties is taking over Arrakis? Mm-hmm. Like, why is that it like? And so I was like going on Wikipedia and like, like reading like non-spoiler, like universe breakdowns of how yeah. everything works. To yeah, help yeah, me. yeah. And that really helped me. And then once like the action in the, not, not like action, action, but like once right. events start happening in yeah. the book and I understood kind of how the universe worked, I was hooked and I was in. Yeah. But it might help to like, if there's, I'm sure there is somewhere on YouTube, like, the universe of Dune explained, like maybe watch right. that and like understand why right. the sp- I, th- I don't know how the spice is pronounced, like melange, why the spice is so important, okay. why the planet that's called Dune, Arrakis, is so important. Yeah, in the political landscape of the universe. All right, all like right. You need you need to understand that. Okay, okay. Because there's a well, lot. Well, hey, of, that's a good heads up yeah. because I was gonna go. I was gonna try and there's go see a that lot this of really subtle like political moves happening at the beginning of the story. Yeah. That if you're wise to how the how like the houses work, you're to go. Oh. I and I wasn't that. reading the book, and maybe I, I don't know. I, I I think I'm a pretty good reader, but even yeah. I was struggling. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, wait, hold on. I was googling things. Yeah. So I would go in primed yeah okay uh, well that's good because i uh i was under the impression i was like i think i did this right 
but uh i do have a a very very general understanding that like yeah. there are houses like there are leaders yeah. of certain houses and that they're making political moves to try and I think, take over parts of i think the main thing you need to know right is the desert planet that is referred to as dune mm-hmm is the only planet that has this spice called melange and the spice has properties that are very advantageous so it, it in a in a way allows you to see the future and mm. like timelines of the future and where the future could go gotcha gotcha um and it i can't remember exactly but it aids you in other ways like it's kind of like a drug it like right like adderall i think it like really just makes you like focused and mm-hmm. so it's very advantageous so if like and everyone in the universe uses this this spice. Like pilots use the spice to help them navigate in space because they can see like things oh, coming wow. up in the future. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So like if you own this spice, if you control the spice, the import and export of the spice, like you have huge power. Yeah. In the world, but then also there's a native people on the planet who use the spice. Right. Who try and stay away from the larger politics and kind of have their own way and. Kind of like that. I think that's like a general just like understanding of and like they actually understand how best to use it. Right. Sort okay. of a deal. And there's a lot. And really the whole story is this commentary on like the ills of empire mm-hmm. and rulers and yeah, kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that going on. Like what does it mean to like actually be an empire what are the consequences of that what does it mean to be a messiah like a leader figure yeah so but i think i think you'll be hip enough to what denis will do visually to be on board yeah pick up on it no i mean it sounds amazing and it looks absolutely it looks visually at the very least on an imax you're just gonna have a good time visually yeah i feel like this is one you have to see in imax yeah we haven't talked at all about 007 yet. Oh, yeah. So hold on a second. I'm going to make sure our camera still has a good <laughs> amount of battery. Let me make sure we've actually recorded this whole time. Yeah. Which I've been in situations where that was not the case. We've got 50% battery. So we should, should be good. Just be aware of that. Yeah. So. So we haven't talked about 007 yet. Uh. You and I went and saw this together, kind of completing the circle that we started in 2006 with uh, Casino Royale. Because we both really like 007. I was like a big, you know, we were both came up in the Pierce Brosnan era. Um, But I think that they hadn't start, they hadn't quite started making like, um, how do I put this? Like a 007, I feel like hadn't had a really incredible film top to bottom, like story, action, mm-hmm. um, the way it was shot, like the way it looked, like the way it was acted. I feel like Casino Royale really started something there where it yeah. was like it took it feels like it took the genre or it took the the series in like in a completely different direction. And like it brought the quality levels, I think, a lot higher. Yeah as far as that goes with Casino Royale, but we, we just went and saw the last one and I think we've seen every one together. Haven't we? I don't think I saw Spectre with you, but I think for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. We've almost seen every one together and like this newest one for whatever reason, like I have never been affected emotionally by a 007 movie. Even, 
Casino Royale, like whenever mm-hmm. Vesper dies at the end, that is very sad. But I wasn't moved to tears. Mm-hmm. Like whenever Vesper died, I was what like, if you were like, yeah, when Vesper died, just loved it, <laughs> so happy. <laughs> no, I I like Eva Green. Yeah. I think she's really good, and I was sad to see her go. Yeah. I was like, oh man, like. You know, at the end of the day, you want Bond to be happy, but he never can be, you know. But no. I, um, this newest movie really moved me, like, in an emotional way. I was really surprised. No. I was really taken off guard by it. And I don't know if it did you the same, but some of the themes that they were touching on, just regret and loss and time mm-hmm. was a really big big one obviously the title is no time to die but like they really hit on that theme of time and and how you spend your time and why it's important and yeah um it just like really got to me for some reason by the end of the movie and i i loved it it the more i've thought about it and i would need to go back and watch it again kind of before i think i made this definitive kind of statement but like i it may be like it may be like top three for me of like all james bond movies yeah yeah i think for me no time to die i texted this to my brother incorporates the best and some of the worst Mm -hmm. of the daniel craig era like i felt like no time to die really encapsulates everything we got in the daniel craig right run yeah and so like i think what doesn't work in this movie is indicative to what hasn't worked in like specter and quantum Sure. Um, but I do think it incorporated more of what did work. Yeah. And so for me, it felt like a really good like summation of the Daniel Craig era, which was like, this was the one James Bond run that is like really, really interconnected with each other. It, right. For the most part has a like ongoing story. Like it's still always calling back to connecting to other characters to Vesper and, and bringing that Vesper story back. Lines. And it, like, it really felt yeah. like it's self-contained. Um, it, it was kind of meta in the sense that it was like asking questions about James Bond itself as a character and as a franchise. Yeah. So it did have that meta element that a lot of his other movies have had. Sure. Um, but one of the things I really liked, and this isn't a unique observation to me, this is something I, I agree with that I've heard other people say, mm-hmm. it was really refreshing to watch a big blockbuster franchise movie that had a definitive ending. Yeah. Because most yeah. blockbusters nowadays, the ending is just a trailer for the next thing. Yeah. And it's always worrying about how to set up the next thing. And it right. was just weird to like watch a blockbuster movie and just be like, no, that was it. And a franchise. Like, yeah, um, this is like many, many, many movies in the making. Like there have been a lot of 007 movies. It's a very storied franchise for it to have an ending like it did, like no other 007 movie has ever had before. Yeah. Um, It was, it was like unique and surprise. I could see how that would rub a lot of people the wrong way. It felt contained to me though, which I think is why it was more moving than like any other 007 Mm -hmm. movie I've ever seen because it felt like they, it felt like it was concluded. Yeah. It felt like, Oh, I just got the rush of emotion of something that you get whenever you're like, this is, this story is concluded. Like it's over. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the end. And I think, I loved that about this one yeah. and it's so different. I can, I would see why people wouldn't like that just because it's so different, but 
I really, really enjoyed yeah. how different it was. Yeah, no, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought Fuganaga, like, and uh, his cinematographer. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not smart enough to remember off the top of my head. I'd have yeah, to look it up. But uh, I think it's the same cinematographer of La La Land and First Man, okay. um, uh, which also movies I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a really good job, just like visually. A lot of those, I think, a lot of the set pieces work. Yeah. Um, they're the set pieces are set up like with like really clear um, beats, uh, really clear objectives. You know, like yeah, this the classic like. Like, oh, you think he's succeeding? Oh, he takes a little loss within like because like all action scenes should be um should be like little summaries of should be their own narratives where right. there's like setup, payoff, there's the the protagonist is winning, then he's losing. Yeah. You know, like set pieces should kind of be their own self-contained, like it's its own little story with uh, objectives and a, goals. A really little tidbit that I really <laughs> I really enjoyed that they just kind of simplified it Mm -hmm. Um, because I think I think in the past movies would use it as a point of tension. But this movie did not do that at all, where it was like he's in the um, the bunker and they're like, we've got to figure out how to open the doors. Oh, but everything's in a different language. Yeah. And uh, the guy in his ear starts trying to describe to him what to start looking for the silo yeah the silo but he just like already he's like i already got it and it's just done and you're like oh i thought that was gonna be like uh okay we're fighting against the clock we have to figure this out and it's just like no we didn't waste any time with that like it's just open now (laughs) yeah i mean yeah exactly i thought that was great there were some really good comedic beats like i thought the cold open with like that home invasion oh, man. was really dope. Yeah. It was like a very I forgot about that. It very really was. uh odd way to open a James Bond movie because usually it opens yeah. right on the action. But I really liked the subdued kind of home invasion, which leads to the whole Italy set piece, which I really liked. And it, yeah. they were teasing like all these themes about, you know, like why are you looking over your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Like you can't actually embrace and move on in the present if you're always looking over your shoulder, which right. was obviously like one of James's hurdles in the movie thematically. I like that setup. I thought the whole car chase through Italy was great. Yeah. Um, I mean that basically like the whole first hour I thought was just like, just on point, like yeah. which leads to the break in to that. I don't know that. That uh, facility with the yeah. with the toxin and that was really cool that was with great. the scientist where they had abducted yeah. the scientist the and, whole bit with Anna de Armas that whole action scene was great that was a super yeah. fun piece to have yes, she was great there, that yeah. whole yeah that whole it the movie kind of dipped for me in the middle because the whole movie up to that was like just action we're moving forward things right. are happening and then the movie kind of like stalled narratively where it's just a bunch of talking and right. like regrouping regrouping and summarizing yeah and like i thought it kind of stalled there and then but once you get to leia Saido's house in you know the middle of nowhere right. whatever that was yeah yeah once yeah. we got there again the, like narratively it picked up and yeah, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. A little bloated, but. I loved it. Honestly, I loved it. I'll go that far to say it. I really, really enjoyed it. I felt like there was a lot of, like, I think you have some valid points in the middle. Mm-hmm. It got a little meandering at times, mm-hmm. but 
Um, I think the emotional payoff at the end yeah. made up for a lot of that stuff for me. Like, yeah. I, I felt like um, they ended very, very well to where, like, it, it felt like a clear, concise ending, and, and it felt very... Very, it, it it paid off in the end. To, and Daniel to stick Craig with it. just killed it this time. Like, he really did, man. He's killer. He's really, really good. He's so a great good. James Bond. I mean, um, I I thought it was really, really solid, really good. Um, yeah. I uh, this is completely off topic, but I wanted kind of your take on this because I was discussing this with another one of our friends the other day, and we were talking about different Batmans. And he was like, who are your top three, f- who are your top three favorite Batmans, mm-hmm. Batmans? Yeah. Uh, and I think I said Keaton, Batfleck, and then Christian Bale is yeah. the top. I was wondering what your top three would be. Um, and I, more, wow. more, more specific, I guess, would be my question is, is Affleck in there? See, this is tough because it's really hard to separate the overall quality of the movie from the the actor the portrayal sure versus like what are their strengths like i feel like um just phys- like physically ben affleck is the best casted batman like sure he, ben affleck looks the most of like what i would think a batman in real life would look bruce like bruce wayne yeah he just he he has that like really cocky just like like handsome rich boy look to him right but he's also just like built really well like jack he, he looks and, like someone yeah. who could physically be batman yeah um it's just like for the most part like i have really mixed feelings about batman v superman yeah i know i, I know you do and i, so I we, like it not open that up like i don't hate it we don't want to open that can of it. worms i thought i thought the snyder cut was solid yeah i enjoyed it but but it's like it's not my favorite Batman stories he's been in. Sure. Um, so it's kind of hard because like, I feel like I just never really got enough for him from him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. As Batman to put him up there. Yeah. But if we're just doing quality, man, I don't know. Like I thought Christian Bale was so good, but like, I don't know. There's something there. Like his physicality of Batman was a little, and I think it has to do with Nolan's the way Nolan shot a lot of, Sure. The handheld fights. Yeah. Um, it just like was kind of too Jason Bourne, a lot of too sure. quick cut. I just never really felt like Christian Bale like physically was Batman. Yeah. Um Keaton is interesting because I think Keaton has that like that like crazy that, that like you look in Keaton's <laughs> eyes in those two Batman mil- films and you're like, this guy might be a little insane. And that's what yeah. you need with Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if yeah. you're gonna dress up as a bat <laughs> And just hang on rooftop. Like, think about this. Like, most of Batman's job is just perched on rooftops. He's just perched on roof. Like, you yeah. have to be a little insane yeah. if you're going to spend yeah, 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 yeah. no sleep, 3 a.m., perched on a rooftop, mm-hmm. just prowling. Yeah. You got to be a little insane. I thought Keaton, like, he, you'd look in his eyes, you go, this guy's a little insane. Yeah. He's a little. Yeah. He, like, he would hint a little bit in his characterization that he could, like, just cut loose a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Um, All that to say Christian Bale's top for you. It's it's just so hard. Like, I, I would need more time to think because... He of, is. Come on. Uh, I mean, I think I think so. 
I mean, if we're going to incorporate like, I mean, the animated Batman is really the best Batman, no. like the animated series. <laughs> that's the best Batman. <laughs> If we're going to be honest, but if it's just live action, you're getting a loophole. If it's just live action, like I think I'd still fall on Christian Bale. Yeah. I mean, um, I, that's how I feel personally. Just because but. in those movies, we really got to see the human motivations well, and of I feel his like, Batman. And that really connected me to him. I think to a certain extent too, like don't think about it so hard. Just go with your gut. You know, what does your gut tell you? Yeah instinct it's just, it just sounds weird okay i'll just sum it up real quick like yes i'd still say christian bale's my favorite batman but if i'm really good to think about like in the suit like the the biggest negative for me with christian bale's batman was like literally him in a suit as batman yeah like I, he I, just i hear you i to a certain extent i understand like like ben affleck's moments the as a physical batman yeah, I thought really hit it like the way he's like yeah. perched on the corner of the walls, like the way he moves in the bat suit, like yeah. nails it. But like, I just think because of the quality of the Nolan movies, like in the way it interrogates his psyche, like you just yeah. I really felt like he was Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Like, yeah, I believed his psyche. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Anyway, we got way off topic. I wanted sure. to bring up something you brought up in oh. the James Bond viewing okay remember uh, in the movie you kept whispering to me how is he good at everything <laughs> and i want to dive into that a little bit yeah 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 okay so i feel like you in this movie you see him masterfully operating a car in ways that like people don't know how to just drive you see him jumping motorcycles you see him sailing a boat by himself across yep. the ocean you see him uh i mean Fix fighting a car. yeah fixing cars fighting people uh interrogating people well, like negotiating you said, he, he turned on everything in the missile silo yeah he knew he got that working russian uh <laughs> he turned everything on in the missile silo he obviously is a marksman like a great shot yeah it's just good I, you know what I thought of? I was, you brought this up in the movie and I thought it was a funny observation that like, it, he's just great at everything. But I was yeah. like, what's the one thing he can't do? Like, what is he overcompensating for <laughs> with all these things? And like, of course, the first thing I thought of was like, you know, he's got a small package. But right, I was like, right, no, right. that's too, that's too easy. It's too easy. Well, and, and we know this. It's obviously not true. We know, you know this I mean? not to be true. He's but also then, good at something else I think that we're I, not mentioning. I think I figured out what the, the one thing James Bond <laughs> could Let be me just say, at. I think it's hilarious that you've given this so much thought. Like, I haven't thought about this yeah. again since I said I that. I just, I, you brought that up. I was like, there has to be one thing that everyone can do that he can't that like balances out and i think right. i figured it out but it could be easily disproven what i don't think he can read <laughs> you know, like, like okay what if, what if he can do all these things but he just can't read like in english because in the movie he read in russian yeah he just can't read english but <laughs> did he actually read russian well that's how he knew how to turn on the thing because he it was all in Russian. The instructions were in Russian. Oh, maybe he can read Russian, but he can't read. English. Or like he can read, but he's like a little dyslexic, you know, like how funny would that be? 
If like he can literally do everything. Do we ever see him reading a book in That's the movie? Like holding a book and like, oh, I'm just. I feel like he gets all of his orders dictated to him. They're like, go here, shoot this person. Yeah. Like anytime there's like exposition, he has to see like who to kill. It's like all video. Like here's the image of the guy. Go here. Like, but like when is he actually reading? I feel something? like to really check this out, we would have to go through and watch every single movie I mean, again and keep an eye out for him. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, okay, there might be a shot of him looking at something with text, but how do we know he's actually reading it? <laughs> like on Vesper's grave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a little note. Do we know he, uh, he comprehended it <laughs> for sure? Did he, did he like mutter it? Like, Oh, you know, like we don't know. He could have just been staring. If he's gone his whole life hiding the secret, of course he would just stare at it and look like he was reading. Yeah. But, well, I mean, in a world where like, in his world where you're just an assassin basically yeah i mean he's a little more than an assassin yeah. he's like a secret agent kind of guy you know but i mean his backstory would kind of support that it's like i mean he didn't why like, would he was you, an orphan right it's like if you were literally good at all the things he's good at he that would help you navigate in the world without reading yeah I and suppose I just, so. I just feel like my theory is James, James at least Daniel Craig's hashtag, hashtag James Bond can't read. <laughs> James Bond can't read. But he can do literally anything else. He can do anything else. Which kind of makes do. up for it. Which if, if you're growing up in like an orphanage, yeah. they're probably not like hounding you to do your schoolwork, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So maybe his backstory kind of supports the idea that like mm. maybe he didn't have like a ton of education. I don't know. I mean... I but he knew Russian, so he had to learn that at some point. So, they never really do go into his education at all, do they? Oh, because you, it's like, not important in the real in the real world. Like agents on the ground are like people who are also really smart and like right. did schooling. But I don't know. I, I don't know about the double O's. Yeah, me either. Anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> he's you, good at everything, but he can't read. I was just like, what's the one thing he's not good at that would like balance everything out and that's what i landed on is that he can't read it kind of makes sense i guess it, it's literally it's almost the only thing well because they show him cooking i think too and he's like oh yeah I'm his sure food looks cook. amazing yeah. and like yeah. everything but that, wait but maybe that disproves my theory because you have to be able to read no you don't you just I taste you know. that's true maybe you just it's a taste trial it. error cooker yeah <laughs> his style is fantastic yeah. he has great style yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of a thing off the top of my head that he's bad at. Well, let us know in the comments it. below. Do you think James Bond can read? Yes or no? I'm going to go with no. Can we get t-shirts made that say James Bond can't read? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I would just wear him that looking at like a piece of paper like. <laughs> no, it's a picture of him holding a book upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. And dude. it's convenient that all of his villains always reveal their plan verbally to him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. James Bond would have failed if they were he's like, never Here's read my a, plan. He's never read a brief. Down. He's never read a brief in his entire life of any <laughs> yeah. mission. He's been like, it's not like a video package that yeah. I can check out, or, you know, maybe I'll just get into this and they'll explain it to me later. Yeah. I mean, the, the Daniel Craig James Bond existed in the time of YouTube. So, yeah, you could always just look it up on YouTube. I mean, but if, then, but, but <laughs> then you'd have to type it in. Oh yeah. To the search bar. <laughs> yeah. How does he search? And if he can't read, how would he search? What if he can write, but can't read? There's like some weird. That wouldn't mark. make any sense. Know, wouldn't it? Wait, no. 
he's got access to like all the craziest gadgets. He probably has like a voice command on his computer where he's like YouTube search. I don't know, Andrew. <laughs> this is getting really complicated. Okay. Okay. okay what did uh? Okay, so we hit midnight mass. We oh, what, I think the last thing we should talk about okay. before we wrap off is uh, Halloween kills. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And we haven't really talked about this at all. We've, we've, I think we texted a little bit. We very briefly it. conversed about it. I feel like Halloween Kills was a not the best Halloween movie that has ever come out, mm-hmm. but it was. I think it did exactly what it needed to do. Yeah. And I didn't go in thinking that this was going to be like the end all be all Halloween movie. Yeah. So I think that Halloween was a blast. First of all, mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a very fun movie. Halloween kills. Halloween yeah. kills. Sorry. Sorry. The like, new course, Halloween, the one Halloween, we just watched. I think Halloween good. kills. I thought I had a great time watching. I thought it was mm-hmm. a blast. Um, the depth was not there, but like at the same time, I think it kind of gets away with that a little bit because of its genre. Like I think horror movies more than other genres can get away with having a little less depth in the story. Um, but I think that I, by the time I got done watching it, I kind of viewed it as like, that was just a really solid, like slasher. Like it, it had a lot of fun with like the characters that it brought in. Mm -hmm. It brought in kind of strange, different characters and then would kill them off basically in ways that were, you know, kind of a good time. And just like, I thought it had fun with what it was doing and it, it felt, it felt good. And it, it felt like a good Halloween time movie to watch. So like for that, I really liked it. But, um, from like a, from the standpoint of it having like depth and saying a little bit more about its story, it felt a little bit like the well was dry, mm-hmm. um, which was a little bit sad because yeah. on one hand, it's like you can't kill Mike Myers at the end of your Halloween movie. Yeah. No Halloween movie has ever killed Mike Myers. I mean, they have, but then he always just comes back in the next movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. And by the end of it, I was just like, you kind of felt like you knew what the last five minutes or 10 minutes was going to be where it's mm-hmm. like them like, Oh, we got him. And then they didn't. I just, <laughs> it's just, for it me, felt a little like the well was running dry for me, but yeah. I still had a blast with all the kills and like, it's just like what made it what bothered me the most was like this movie felt so inconsequential yeah because it really doesn't other than the very the very last thing that happens so like i know this movie just came out not to spoil it but like literally the last thing that happens is really the only thing you need to know before the third one yeah i feel like once this trilogy is all said and done like you could watch the first one which i still really love hollow just the 2018 Halloween. the reboot you could yeah. just fast forward through all of halloween kills and go to the very last scene and go oh i need to know that and then yeah. start halloween ends because it just like yeah it's just michael going around hayden field killing Kinda a bunch of people we what don't know mike does the best just killing people in really cool ways yeah but sure. it's just like it just felt like they really didn't have enough story for three movies and this one was just like the 
Well, we got to have something. Well, and part of me wants to ask the question, what's wrong with just having a fun movie where he goes around and kills people? I mean, there's really not, but like, because that's most of the franchise, but like even I just watched Halloween 4. That mm-hmm. movie isn't amazing by any sense. Yeah. It's not the best written movie, but like it is consistently following like one person, like yeah. this little child and her babysitter, her mm-hmm. older sister. And like, you're like, I don't want Michael Myers to get her. Yeah. And you're just instinctively as a human, like, oh no, don't get this little kid. Yeah. And it like narratively is focused on this. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a little twist and reveal, you know, okay, whatever. And, but with Halloween Kills, it was just like, none of these people matter. Right. And it just, and also like, I just felt the way it balanced what I was trying to do. Like it cuts to this flashback of to the very ending of the, the original Halloween kind of takes it in a new direction. Mm-hmm. It cuts back to like these older characters from the old Halloween. And then it, you get little flashes of Laurie Strode in the hospital, which it made the mistake the Halloween two made that everyone criticizes Halloween two for, which right. is like, why would you put Laurie Strode in a hospital bed the whole movie? Yeah. That's been a joke online for years. And he just does the same thing in Halloween Kills. Yeah. Which was like, you have one thing that every Halloween fan has admitted is something that bothers them. Mm-hmm. Is in Halloween 2, Laurie Strode yeah. is just in a hospital bed doing nothing for 90% of the movie. And you're just going to go and do the same thing? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to kind of... Are they trying to pass the torch on to a younger generation and try know. to experiment with that a but little like, bit or something? But I don't know. When this one ends, it's so obviously going to be like, oh, yeah, this is all going to be about Laurie Strode again in Halloween right. 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween well, ends, so honestly, it's like... It's, we want to see Jamie Lee Curtis. That's what it is. But then, how many years of yeah. your life can you fight the same person? Yeah. Well, that's what I loved about and how, how many one. how many years can you say you got him? Yeah. And then you didn't. Well, technically in Ooh. this continuity, she, they haven't been thinking they got him because right, he was right, locked right. up for 40 years in this one. It's just like whenever you watch all the movies and like obviously like they aren't all, mm-hmm. like they're not all connected like sync, yeah. like throughout the timeline. But it's just like, man, at some point you got to be like, we're just not going to get it. Oh, like- and this leads to, I think I hinted at this to you. I have an idea of how you stop Michael Myers. How? Especially with this movie, like, uh, or with this continuity. Right. Like, instead of becoming an angry mob, yeah. which they do in Halloween Kills, how about mm-hmm. all the people of Haddonfield get together and go, we're just gonna, on October 31st, pretend November started early, not put up any Halloween decorations. Just go straight to Thanksgiving. Flip the calendar to November. Yeah, and Michael Myers is going to be walking around going like, "I guess it's not Halloween yet. Got to wait." I can't be day. creepy. <laughs> see, like they made it seem like he only does stuff on Halloween. Yeah, I mean, well, do you think Michael has not. a home where he's looking at the calendar? No, he's walking around, and once he sees Halloween decorations, he knows to strike. Yeah. So just pretend it's November, and just then he might be like, "Did I sleep through Halloween? I gotta <laughs> wait like, another year." Well, I missed this year. We and always he, have next he year. He gets another year, and he's like, "Oh, I missed it again." In this movie, this was a small detail, but it did send me off on like an entirely like mm-hmm. different train of thought. They have shot and stabbed and thrown him off buildings yeah. and burned him and done all of these different things to him to try and kill him. 
But they took his mask off a little bit in this movie. Yeah. And you could see he was older. Yeah. Simple and I was like, man. but he ages? You know? Well, that's I was the like, thing. but you just shot him six that's times. A, at the end of this movie. But he's bald. At the end of <laughs> he's this movie, balding? they make it seem like, well, he actually is like the representation of fear. And like the more we give into our fear and hate, the stronger he becomes. And I'm like, right. okay, if that's true, then like, like you said, if there is something supernatural about him, why is he just a normal old looking man? Aging. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would prefer like, I would almost prefer them never, sh- never like explain. even begin to attempt to no. show his face or anything or like just that. Like, like, I think it's okay. Because if- I, I think, I think Michael Miles, <laughs> Michael Miles, <laughs> I think Mike Myers, Michael works, works better as a personification of like a metaphor for something yeah. like for the personification of evil mm-hmm. where it's like ever present. Right. Like, I think, I think he works better as that where it's like, don't try to humanize him in any way. They kind try of. to have it both ways. Yeah. 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 So that was one thing in this movie. I was just like, they took his mask off. He was like, it looks like he was older kind of. And but it's like, like, like they're trying to say like he's aged and gone through like all the stuff. Lori has gone through like aging throughout mm-hmm. all this time. But I mean, the only thing is that he looks different. He's gotten no weaker. Like he doesn't act older in any other way. Why make yeah. him look I don't like know. he's aged? Yeah. I, I I understand where they were going with like the personification of fear and evil. Yeah. But like that, at least what they've done so far, it almost like adds more questions. It's like, okay, if that's true, then why was he doing nothing in a mental institution for 40 years? Yeah. Um, like that doesn't make it, if he really was like, couldn't he have just escaped whenever? Anywho, whatever. But for me, like just overall, I thought like it was kind of mostly inconsequ- inconsequential. Yeah. Um, I thought taking the focus away from like the Strode family after, the 2018 film, which I loved because like I loved how Laurie Strode was still haunted by the trauma of that night mm-hmm. and no one believed her and like everyone was underplaying it. Right. And then she has to kind of home alone and defend herself. And, and like the movie ends with like all three of the Strode women being united in this shared trauma. And right. like, I would have loved for them to explore that more but they kind of just take a detour with this film yeah, and kind of punt that down the road. And it's like, okay, if you only have story for two movies, just make two great movies. Yeah. Um, I don't but, know. But I at think the end, like, yeah, it was, it was entertaining. There were some moments that like we had fun watching together. Some really fun moments. So yeah. it's like, it, like some people are really trashing on this film online. I don't think it's like worth like being like, oh, it's awful one star. Like, I think it's pretty like middle of the road, like a five or six out of 10 kind of a movie for me. I actually would say that it's it's almost kind of a, it's almost kind of a perfect Halloween movie because... Halloween, like uh, the holiday. The season, yeah, Halloween, season. because I think sometimes, a lot of times for me, it's like there are certain nights that as it gets, you know, throughout the month, I want to sit down and like do a deep, like... I'm going to watch like a really good scary movie tonight and like really get into it. Yeah. But most of the time it's like you're watching with your friends and sometimes you're like talking about different things, half paying attention and like you just want to watch a scary movie and, and you know, have it on and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a perfect Halloween movie for the Halloween time of year because it just gives off those like 
Halloween vibes. It's a slasher and it brings out a classic character and it has fun. And I think for those reasons, it's good. But as far as going deeper and actually furthering mm-hmm. those themes in that story, it doesn't do a great job of that, unfortunately. But yeah. um, but it is fun. So it yeah. has that going for it. I agree. Well, you know you've done a good podcast recording when mm-hmm. you start to feel your voice kind of like get a little like kind of right. raw. It's mm-hmm. like we're feeling there. So I think we can maybe wrap up uh-huh. with our recommendations. Rex. I think what we're going to do is just at the end of each episode, there's so much content out there nowadays, like mm-hmm. on streaming in the movie theater in general. Yeah. Uh, like rentals coming out. It's just kind of hard to keep up. Yep. And I just thought like we could, based on the conversation we had, based on the season, we could each give a recommendation that is truly worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of stuff out there. Definitely. Do you have one in mind? Uh, we had our. Well, I was thinking. We had our Halloween top ten themed. Oh, Halloween themed. Yeah. yeah. But well, uh, maybe we can do a, a top ten, top five Halloween movies later or sooner. Yeah, yeah. But I we'll think do if that. we each recommended like a Halloween season movie. Yeah. To check out, maybe one that's not as well known. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've got my favorites that you know. I mean, you don't have to just do one. But are yeah. my favorites. But um, I, you and I, we're both watching uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe the other day. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, upon rewatching it, saw a couple of things that I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, overall... I do think that's a really different movie um, and whenever it comes to scary movies because it's almost investigative, kind of like yeah. the the eeriness and kind of the creepiness and unsettling nature of the movie kind of slowly unveils itself uh, throughout the film and they have to kind of find that throughout the movie, which I really enjoy and I think is just different from like a slasher or like a zombie or you know something like that that uh, you could watch around Halloween time. So I, I really enjoy Autopsy of Jane Doe. I've liked, I watched that for the first time last year and I just really liked it and had a good time with it. Um, and it's not necessarily going to be that like really, really, really deep kind of like subtext messaging mm-hmm. that like you get from like a very, very well-written made movie but this is definitely i think one that flies under the radar not a lot of people know about and i think it's really enjoyable i I, I have fun with it really unique premise some really interesting revelations made there's like a lot of cool moments but yeah Yeah. like it wasn't wasn't the deepest movie but it didn't have to be so i agree i i enjoyed it for a first time viewing for me there are two horror movies that i would recommend for this season we're in that aren't as well known, but they do have like cult followings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first would be uh, The House of the Devil. You know, I need to watch that again. Which is a really interesting movie because it came out in... Let me pull it up here. It it came out like pretty modern. It's 2009. Yeah. But the, the way they aesthetically recreate like the 70s or the 80s that they're going for. In right. There, like when you watch it, you... 
like would probably be convinced that this was like made like decades ago. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they really capture the aesthetic. And it's also a movie that without spoiling, really like we were talking about with Midnight Mass, like this like really sure handedness, like slowly revealing things. Mm-hmm. I just love the way the movie narratively like widens the mystery, like slowly pulls back the curtain enough for you to be like, wait a second, like something's a little off and then more gets revealed. Oh wait, something is definitely off. And then like, right as you're about to piece it together, it just like kabam hits you all at once. And it's like just really powerful. Like when you fully realize what's happening, right? Yeah. Just, just like so sure handed, just slowly pulling back that curtain, revealing things, beautiful aesthetics, like has a really good retro feel. I really recommend house of the devil. Just like good fall vibes. You know, yeah. like it's cold outside. You're bundled up. The movie just has like this really cold fall aesthetic feel. Like you can feel the fall yeah. weather in the movie. Yeah. And then second real quick would be Lake Mungo. Oh, man. Yeah, dude, yeah. Dude, you got to watch that. Yeah. Lake Mungo is like this. Um, it's filmed like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like one of the better uses of like found footage kind of docu-style horror movies I've seen in a long time that, like, truly wants to investigate, like, the... I hate using the word trauma because it feels like every movie nowadays is about trauma. Sure. But, like, really investigating, like, the trauma of the main character, like, this this teenage girl and, like, what she was going through. And it's, like, really sympathetic to her pain. Right. And, and like, you, through the documentary, learning, like, what was troubling her. Yeah. So the movie's like really sympathetic to her, but like has some like really truly like it's hard for me to say a movie like chills me, like right. really like scares me. Yeah. And there were like moments in this movie that like really like got to me. Like yeah. some certain images and revelations that like physically chilled me. Yeah. And that's like just rare nowadays. Like a fire me. walk with me. Kind yeah, of. Like a fire walk with me. Yeah. Which, which is the best horror movie. It's a that that movie has a sense of dread in yeah. it that is Lake Mungo really unique. Dude, it really is similar to Firewalk with Me. It's about yeah. a teenage girl. Oh, really? Like, like f- facing troubles that are too much for someone that age, yeah. like too young. Someone being t- right. preyed upon, taking advantage. Right, of. right, right. And yeah, yeah. I I've got one more, and I feel like this one is like a big movie that came out, but I didn't watch it till last year. And then I just felt like nobody really paid much attention to it after it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was big for a weekend and then it kind of yeah. just, I didn't think got the attention it deserved, uh, was Dr. Sleep. Oh yeah. I Love loved Dr. Sleep, man. I thought that was Mike Flanagan. I really, yep. Mike Flanagan. I, I thought that that was so good. I, I enjoyed that movie from start to finish. I was in. So, yeah. um, yeah, I was bought in on that movie. So I super enjoyed it and would definitely recommend, recommend that one. That's a full send. Yeah. I recommend Dr. Sleep as well. Yeah. <laughs> and check out the book too, if you want to read. Yeah, definitely. Also that, that is a sequel. So just be aware Yeah, that that's a sequel to The Shining. So honestly, I don't think you have to be the biggest fan or, you don't. or appreciator of the original Shining to you appreciate don't. Dr. Sleep. But it is, it's helpful. It helps. It's helpful. But no, really, really good. Worth checking out. I agree. Well, that was a professional appreciators. For those who watched or listened, thank you for coming along on this ride. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We're going to have more coming at you soon. Yep. Yep. Um, We're pretty much what you heard tonight 
ideally will be what you're going to hear in the future just us talking about the latest things we've watched mm-hmm. um and then our recommendations for you so you can join on the appreciation mm-hmm. that's right all right guys see you later bye